Well, tonight my message is keep the fire burning. Keep the fire burning. I wanted to look at just um, some things here, and I have some. uh, God keeps bringing things to my mind, so I pray it doesn't seem like we're chasing rabbits down the trail tonight. All right. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 13 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. I want to keep the fire burning. I understand what what we're experiencing here at our church right now is not something that, it's it's not the norm. We want it to be the norm. but I've just felt the Holy Spirit speak. I, I remember as Jesus walked uh, the, this, uh, this world, I should say, uh, remember the Pharisees came to him and said, how come your, defi- your disciples are not fasting and praying? How come? And he said, why should they when uh, I'm with them? You know, and he, just going through, they, they wanted them to go through all the motions and uh, and what I mean by that for us, how does that apply to us? Um, there's just moments that God, God just comes in and you stop and you just give him that moment. You give him that opportunity while he's moving and ministering. And, uh, and I believe that that's where you and I have to surrender to him. Okay, God, this is off the agenda. <laughs> this is not what I planned. This is not what... but. Here I am, Lord. And that's where God can minister to us. It's not something that happens all the time. So I want you just to be open to what God has to move. When he is here, when he is ministering, join in. Step in. I read uh, that email in second service. I didn't see it till in between services about, uh, I would call him a young man. He's probably my age or a little younger, just being, being a little resistant to stepping on in. I, you can sense that up here, that some are just resistant to step in, and I've been where you are. And uh, there's a few reasons that we're resistant to step in. It's we're, and one of my fears was, God, don't call me to India. <laughs> so I don't want to leave, I don't want to leave America. I don't want to leave home. And Oh, if I go up there and say, I surrender all, God's going to call me to some foreign land. I don't want to go, you know. God is not going to put something on us that he's not able to see us through. And uh, whatever he has for me, that's what I desire from him. So I, I preach one of my first sermons after Pastor Resign was, uh, I mentioned in Revelation, you've left your first love. You've left your first love. And that, and that needs to be key for us to, to maintain the fervency of revival and the, the fire in us. Is that we don't lose our focus on who we're worshiping. All the testimonies that we've heard, 
and should hear are ones that say, it's God. It's God. I know the young man mentioned I prayed for him, but it wasn't me. (laughs) That's why uh, man doesn't bring revival. God brings revival. We're obedient. God uses us however he wants. So if we want to keep the fire of revival burning, we must be continually filled with the Spirit. I think sometimes we, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at age 12. That's pretty young. That's 40 some years. Okay. And if I just relied on that one experience and never sought after God and never spoke in tongues ever again, that's a waste. Because the Bible says be continually filled. Be, uh, walk in the Spirit. And it doesn't mean that we're some crazed out zombie that we, you know, we're just in the clouds all the time. Paul said, uh, you're no earthly good if you're that, but God wants us to be in tune with the spirit, to be listening to the spirit of God. And we have to be continually filled with the spirit, have a relationship, have a communion with him that doesn't stop. So here's some points here. Adoration. We need a fire continuing in our heart. It says, love, have sincere love, love without hypocrisy. Love without hypocrisy. That means I'm not putting on a show when I say I love you. I'm not saying one thing and living another. You know how sometimes your kid will ask you, they've just destroyed something in your house. Do you still love me? And inside you're like, I don't don't know about right now. (laughs) Yes, I do, but... (laughs) Doesn't mean I agree with what you just did. But love without hypocrisy means we don't make stuff up. We don't pretend and then go home and talk about them. We don't say we love you and then go home and say, I can't believe they're like that. That's, that's hypocrisy. Love without hypocrisy. The greatest example is the Good Samaritan story. And I don't want to preach the whole message, but you understand the Uh, The Samaritan was attacked and wounded. And it says that the priest and the Levite, they walked on the other side of the road to avoid him. You ever done that? You're on your way somewhere and somebody's broke down or something's happened and you just sort of... I've seen some of you at Sam's. Y'all see me and you're like, I don't want to talk to Pastor Greg right now. You'd say, you did. he didn't see me. Yeah, I did. Oh. If it's you, you know it's you, but anyway. <laughs> the Good Samaritan. The, the whole story is, because they ask him, who do we love? You know, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And Jesus took the greatest example of someone that you had the right to hate and put him in the story. Because a Jew here is wounded and the ones that they're supposed to hate is the one that came up, bound up his wounds, cared for him, loved on him, paid his bill, put him up in a hotel or hospital, if you will, and paid the bill and said, if there's any more, I'll come back and settle it up. But the two that should have done something walked on the other side. They didn't want any part of it. That's hypocrisy. God wants us to love 
without hypocrisy. Love, love without wanting anything returned. 1 Corinthians 13, the, the, we call it the love chapter. Love is not selfish. Love doesn't hold, you know, count the wrongs against someone else. We don't keep score, if you will. That's, love says, I love you, and I don't require anything of you. I don't want anything in return. It's, it's, for us grandparents, it's like a grandchild. I don't care if that little booger threw that toy across the room. I still pick him up and hug him. Now, he gets a little spanking sometimes, but oh, we don't touch him. Oh. <laughs> no, we love God. God loves us so much. He wants us to love one another. Remember, the disciples said, how many times should I forgive them? Jesus said, 70 times seven. Well, if you're keeping score, then you don't have that attitude of love, right? So back to Romans chapter 12, verse verse 10, or verse 9. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. That's a revival spirit. When you're doing something and the Holy Spirit just brings a check in your heart, listen. Listen to that and and cling to what is good. In Philippians, it says, think on these things. And it gives you a whole list of good things to think about. Abhor what is evil. In other words, turn away from it. Don't Don't entertain it. Don't give it a moment. But follow after God. Have a uh, adoration, have a sincere love, have a loyal love, a loyal love. What is, what is a loyal love? Being loyal to someone means when they're not around, I still obey, still listen. Many times we, new Christians, uh, young, old, doesn't matter the age, but we tend to think, okay, when I'm not in church, I can act the way I want. Then when I get back to church, I can get things right with God. A loyal love says, I may not see or be in, uh, at the altar right now, but I'm going to love God with all my heart. I, I picture a marriage, a loyalty in marriage, where even we don't look. Guys, we don't even look. You know what I mean. All right. Have a committed love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Perfect love casts out all fear. When we prayed for those with anxiety today, I felt in my spirit that... Um, we, we carry this fear which, which sort of eliminates God out of the equation. It, it pushes faith to the side. Have faith that God's going to see you through whatever circumstance you're in. Whatever you're going through, God is able. Have faith to believe that if God brought me here, he's going to continue on. He's not going to drop us off and come back later. He's not going to lose us at the department store underneath a clothes rack like my mom did and I started wandering the streets of Bristol, Tennessee. 
she panicked. The cops were out, you know, everybody, and some lady had found me and was holding my hand outside. They finally ran outside because she looked all over the store. You know how three-year-olds can be, right? God's not going to leave us. God brought you to that place. Sometimes we don't see what he's doing. We can't see his hand. We can't see what what result is coming along, but we trust God. God, you brought me here. Okay, I'm not going to move till I know. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they were following the, the cloud and the fire. When it stopped, they stopped. If they kept going, they would be out of the will of God. Sometimes God puts us in a holding pattern. God, God puts us in a place, okay, this is where I want you right now. This is what I want to do with you. And we pray, God, I, I know you want me there. Why, why am I not moving there? Why, why is it not happening now? But God says, be here. Be here. Be in, be in my presence. Be where I am. Amen? So listen to the Lord. Perfect love cast out all fear. God, I want a love for you where I don't fear anymore. I don't worry anymore. Doesn't mean things don't happen, problems don't arise, but when they do, we call on the name of the Lord and we pray. And then when we fear, we say, God, help me. Don't deny your fear and say, oh, I'm not afraid. And then inside, we're like, yeah, I'm really afraid. No, lay it out for God. He's big. He can take it. Lord, I don't know. There are times I say, God, I don't know what you're doing. This morning, I say, God, what, what are you doing? <laughs> right? Help me. And then it's just like waves of, okay, let's make this altar call. Let's, somebody shares a testimony. God just, anyway. If someone says, I love God, I'm back in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. I love the scripture in Revelation where it says, the, it lists all these bad sins. And, it's, and then like a tag on the end of one of the verses, it says, and liars will not make it into heaven. Like, ooh. I don't know about you, but there are times I, I haven't told the truth. I know someone, I'm not going to mention a name or I'll have to answer to them later. But they were getting a heart cath procedure done, and they were on these loopy drugs. It, it's been many years ago. Okay, you know, they sort of put you under, but they need you awake, right? And uh, so they let, they let us go in and pray for them before they went in the procedure, end up having a, a quadruple bypass, but that's another story. And went in, he said, I've never cheated on my wife. I mean, he was doing this whole truth confession, I've never cheated on my wife, never cheated on my taxes, and I've only lied to make myself look good. Wow. <laughs> I love true confessions. I don't want that drug, though. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? In this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Ouch. 
That's how we maintain revival. That's how we maintain the fire. And I want to tell us in this transition, we've got to love one another. We may not all agree. There are things that aren't going to go our way. My children didn't get their way every time they asked for something. And I was the bad guy. My, I grew up in a home where don't even ask to go out because the answer is going to be no. It doesn't matter where you're going. The only time I could go out and do anything is if the youth group was doing it. So I would go talk to my youth pastor. Hey, I want to go bowling. My dad won't let me go bowling. Ooh, mom and dad are probably watching tonight. So youth pastor schedule. I get to go to the bowling alley. Back then, there was the, the bar scene, you know, anyway. They can't smoke in there now, so it's even better. Amen? Okay. Don't, let's not quit loving one another. Let's stay in unity. Stay in agreement with one another for what God has for us. So have a committed love. This is all under adoration. Have a humble love. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, Love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. You ever come across someone and it's just a whole big show. I mean, they're over the top telling you how much they love you and you're waiting for the knife to get in the back. You know, they're hugging you and it's like, they're a little too over the top for me. I'm sort of a, y'all know me, I'm, I'm not that exuberant and over the top. But some are, there's so much over the top, you, it's almost a, a fake. Now don't, don't read into any of this for anybody here, okay? So there's some that just, they're overjoyed, they love. But I say that love, true love, doesn't puff itself up. It's not making a scene so that everybody can say, wow, they really love. No, true love is a deep, deep love. Verse 5 says, love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, and thinks no evil. I have that difficulty sometimes. What's their, what's their motive? You ever, somebody come up and they, they you know, they hug your neck. What do they, what do they want? If you have children, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, Dad, you're the best. One of my sons bought me this shirt. He's probably watching online too. And it, it says best, and then there's a, a music staff with uh, the note. It's not Jonathan, so you don't have to look at him. Okay. Um, a music staff, and the notes are D-A-D, so best dad spelled in music notes ever. Gave me that shirt, and I like wearing the shirts, the little t-shirt. I thought, what does he want? What, you know, does he want me to help buy him a car? And he wasn't out of the house yet, but sometimes we wonder, what, what are they up to? What, what's their motive behind it? Your boss comes, and uh, Pastor Davis was the best at, he, he called it the sandwich effect, where you praise, you bring correction, and you bring praise. I have a hard time with that. I just cut to the chase and let's just get it over with. But he was the best because he wanted us to grow. And, and that's, that's true love where you, you really are doing it to help one another. But I say that to say, 
be honest with one another. Don't, don't, let, don't try to flower it up. Be who you are, but love one another. Back to Romans. It's our attitude. What is our attitude? Verse uh, 11 and 12 of Romans 12. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. We're zealous for God. Revelation 3.15. He told the church, I know your works, but I wish that you were... So I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. We're just sort of there. God wants... Basically, God's saying... I want you hot, but don't pretend to be because you're only lukewarm. Be fervent. Be, fer- be zealous for God. It says, uh, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. Rejoice with one another. The Bible said, Paul said, said, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. There are times when they're going, people are going through a rough time and there's nothing to say. We try, you can try all the cliches in the world. You can try to quote all the scriptures you want, but some people just need a hug and a shoulder to cry on. And then you say, and, and I, I hope you do this. I say, God, give me what to say. Give me the words to say. Give me some encouragement. Give me something so they can hold on to. But I don't try to preach at them. Sometimes they just need to. They need a shoulder to cry on. Have you ever been in a room where somebody has just been told their loved one has passed? They don't need a sermon. They need a shoulder. Many of you might remember years ago in the old church, pastor was on a trip to, or had a, he was taking a missions trip. They were in France and Spain. I don't know, seven or eight of them. And we had one of our members coming home from, worked at the uh, prison between here and up north, can't remember the, the place, one of the prisons there, and he was driving home, got hit uh, broadside by another car and lost his life. And I got the call, ran to the hospital, not knowing what I was getting to, I was just told he was in a wreck. And get to the room, and the wife's sitting there. She said, I don't know what's going on, and the doctor's going to come see me. And as soon as I walked in the door, they were waiting on someone else to be there to give her the news that he didn't make it. One time for a sermon or some, you know, they're in a better place. You know, God had God wanted them there more than he did here. That's a, you know. <laughs> she needed a shoulder to cry on. That was a, that was a rough one because I wanted Pastor Davis to be here and do this funeral. He actually sent a little video message. Some of you might remember that uh, Pam Bell, I think, had to videotape it on her phone and email it to us. Wow. That place was packed. Uh, every, almost every correction officer in that facility that didn't have to be there was there. Police officers, all that business. It was... Uh, it was something, but I say that to say all they needed at that moment was a shoulder to cry on. And that's what some of folks need here. 
They need someone to love them like a brother loves. God wants us zealous for him. He wants us hot. He wants us on fire for him. Not lagging in diligence. Patient. Or Verse 12 says, rejoicing in hope. Romans 12, 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. I am one of the most impatient in tribulation people you can ever meet. I want it done. Just get it over with. Get me through. But God wants us patient. Patient. Some of you are going through that. You're going through... You don't know. Sometimes you don't even know what you're going through. You just know it isn't where you need to be or what... God's called us. God set us apart. God, God, I know you have a plan, but Lord, what am I going through right now? What's happening? Let God be God in the midst of that. Let God meet your need. Rejoice in hope. Hope is, I know God's got something for me. I don't know what it is. When I prayed with uh, Joey Curry, who's now in Jacksonville, he's the one that uh, had the car, uh, motorcycle accident, broke his back. He had a come to Jesus meeting, and he had he met he he had this argument with God. God, why why did I why did you let this happen? Why did this? And God said, I didn't, but I was with you. I didn't cause it. I didn't do this, but I my promise is I'll never leave you nor forsake you, and I'm with you. And I have a plan for you. And he said, I don't know what that plan is, what God has, but I'm open to what God has for me. And we can get into all the, is that God, you know, we don't need to get into all that. I just say that to say, when we go through tribulation, let God teach us. Let let the Holy Spirit of God teach us through that. Instead of fussing and arguing with God and fighting with God, surrender. Surrender. All right. We need to be uh, ecstatic, hopeful, joyful. First Peter 1.8 says, Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. Or joy unspeakable. You might know that hymn. And full of glory. That's where they get that. When uh, Thomas said, unless I touch his side and see his hands, I'm not going to believe. And what did Jesus say? He said, greater those who have not seen and yet still believe. And that's you and I. We weren't there to put our hand in his side to see the nail prints in his hand. But we believe. We believe that he is the Son of God, that he died for us. Our love should be immovable, patient, steadfast, unwavering. Be strong in your faith. When revival comes, problems arise. Difficulties arise. Let me tell you a a quick story. Revival was happening in the church I was pastoring in Daytona. I know I mentioned a lot, but it's the only reference I have of pastoring. And uh, God began to move miraculously. Things were happening. And it was amazing. We, we started seeing salvations. And we had prayed and prayed. And it was a small little church to begin with. And 
but we just believed God. We knocked on doors. We visited. We did everything that we knew to do, and nothing was happening. Then all of a sudden, the doors bust open, and people started coming. It was in, it's in a place called Holly Hill. If you take Holly Hill, it's a little, little bitty town. It's surrounded on three sides by Daytona Beach. On the back side is Ormond Beach. So it's a, a nothing little town, but they stand strong, okay? Anyway, right two blocks from the church is uh, US-1. US-1 is like the main drag through Daytona. It's all the, all the night crawlers, if you will. All the folks that work the night shift are there. And uh, as God began to move and people began to get saved, we started getting drunks walking in the door. We started getting all, you know, you name it, they walked in. And we had been praying for revival for two, almost two years. And as it start, when it started, I had some old line Pentecostal ladies. I mean, they were right there in prayer with us. But when those that didn't smell right started coming in the door, those that didn't dress the way they thought they should started coming in the door when it, they left. The very ones that were standing with me in prayer for revival as God began to move and save these folks and, and do a miracle in their life, they left because it wasn't what they expected. We have sometimes this image, this idea, this is how revival looks. This is how it should be. This is the way I've seen it. This is the way God did it before. He's going to do it this way again. Just let your spirit be in tune. I'm not, I guess what I'm saying is sometimes revival doesn't look the way we've, we think it will. If we could predict the way revival looked, we could make a million dollars, sell a book, and have every church doing it. No, it's a sovereign move of God. What do we, how, how do we judge that? Is, um, are people being saved? Are people being touched? Are, are the, is the church stirring to do more for God? Yes. All those things are yes. Does it look the way it's looked in the past? A little bit yes and no. But it's, I don't think God does this cookie cutter revival. Asbury um, School, I haven't watched too much of it, just seen... Every time I see a picture or see a little clip, it's just people seeking after God. And that's what, uh, that's what God wants. He wants the people hungry for him. So we can't place, and, and these ladies in the church, I mean, I can call their names now because they're all gone. <laughs> they were elderly back then, and I was quite young back then. I, it just broke my heart to see them. I said, you're... You're leaving. This is what we've been praying for. Yeah, but that guy sitting by me smelled like alcohol so bad, I thought I was going to get drunk sitting by him. I'm like, but he's here to get Jesus. That's what we're praying for. You don't know. As a young pastor, I would make my rounds visiting all the elderly and the, the widows, and the, they were on my route. I had a route you know, go through. And they're the very ones, the ones I spent time with, prayed in their homes, took them 
I volunteered, did Meals on Wheels with another pastor, and we would take meals to some of them, and they're the ones that walked out the door. I'm like, this is it's what we waited for. But you know what? God rose up others. And I, I say they missed out, but, uh, you know, whatever God lead them to do, that's fine. Um, but I'm, I'm just telling you, God will move in ways we don't understand. Jesus stirred up that Jewish crowd, the religious crowd in Jerusalem, because it wasn't what they were looking for. He wasn't, it, it wasn't their picture of who the Messiah should be. And we look back and say, man, it's clear. But to them, oh no, he didn't fit the, the pattern. Let God be God. Let God rule and reign in your life. Let God have his way. And if, anyway. Number three, we need to be fervent in action. Romans 12, 13, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. I have charitable, not stingy, <laughs> but giving. Sort of let that settle. <laughs> Matthew 25, 35, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these, you did it to me. Don't be stingy. Be charitable. There are things that we do, and I always say this, when you volunteer to do something, my mom had this formula, and that's, Double the time and add 10% more money. All right. Double time. So somebody says, hey, just if you, I just need you for about 15, 20 minutes. Double it, and then it's going to cost you more. But we do it out of love. We do it because we care. You stop and you help someone. The road, you, know, you think all you're going to do is help change a tire, and it becomes this whole big deal where that tire, they don't have a spare. It's flat. They don't, you don't, they don't have a good jack, and you don't have a good one with you, and it's, it's a whole bit, you know, it takes half your day to help someone out, when all he's going to do is help change a tire. But that's going the extra mile, helping the good Samaritan out, doing what God asks us to do, be charitable in your giving, hospitable, kind and loving to those around us. Pursuing righteousness, Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We go after God. We pursue God with the same fervor that Paul slash Saul was pursuing Christians to persecute them. Think of the fervent uh, attitude he had to go after them. How much more should we be fervent to go after God? And what he has for us. He has so much better for us than the world has to offer. He has so much more if we would go after it with all we are. There's more we can do. As a church, I, I want to encourage you this week, find time to pray. 
Find time to seek God. Fast a meal or two. If you're on special medication and whatever, fast something. David said, I won't offer up something that cost me nothing. I'm giving up spinach all week, I'll tell you right now. (laughs) And Brussels sprouts. Amen. Yeah, I'll do that too. (laughs) My wife says, no, I love that stuff. No, give something to God that cost you. Give. Let's not give him the leftovers of our life. Don't give him just the, the things that don't really. Give him the best you have. Give him of your time. Pray. Seek the face of God. Let's go after God with all we are. Let's not only pray for our church, pray for revival, but, but pray for those around us that need Jesus. There's so many. We had a couple here, uh, Curtis and Queenie, invite, they met somebody, or they were in line, I guess, at Walmart and uh, witnessed to a lady, and they came to church last week. And I mentioned in my sermon, hey, if you're in line at Walmart, invite somebody. And, and they, she asked Queenie, said, did you tell him you invited me? <laughs> said, I, we hadn't talked. But it just sort of, that's, what, that's how God does. God wants to reach North Lakeland or wherever you live, South Lakeland, Central Lakeland, wherever you live, Zephyr Hills, uh, Auburndale, you name the town. God, God's love wants to go into all the world. But it's through us. Thank you, Charlie. It's through us. We are, he said, when did I, they said, when were you sick? When were you stranger? We have folks going to prisons and praying with people and visiting them. They don't need some announcement, some fanfare. They're doing it because they love Jesus. And ministry's going on. I, I asked someone, hey, can you stop and see someone? And they said, we're, I just saw them the other day. Like, I didn't know. <laughs> Continue to minister. Let God use you and minister. When was I, when were you thirsty, Lord? When were you a stranger? You took us in. He said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Our attitude, our action, our adoration is, Lord, I'm doing it because I love you. I'm not doing it out of some obligation or some program the church has set up. I'm doing it as the Holy Spirit directs me because I love you and I want to show your love. Don't forget, don't just do it and walk away. Tell them, I do this because I love God. I do this because I want you to see God's love working through me to you. 